This is a conversation with Twig Wheeler. Hi, Twig. Hi there, Serge. So, how do we start this? What would be the, the good first question for this conversation? Well, how about that question, what if everybody knew? Meaning, what if everybody knew about SE? Yeah, yeah. So, what, what if everybody knew about SE? What if we could spread the word more? Right. I'm always very, very curious what people would do. Um, each and every person comes into the office or meet them on the ski slopes or in an airplane or at a training, professional training, whatever. Like, different people take it in so many different directions. Some people take it into themselves. Some people take it into trying to share it with others. Like, it's a major thing that I like to work on. Some people like to take it into their therapy practice. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. I want to get inside that question with you, with other people. What would it be like if everybody knew about this? Yeah, yeah. So, maybe that's a, a moment of inviting people who listen to this to ask themselves the question. And, in a way, while they're on the train of thought, you and I can continue our conversation and see how you have noticed, uh, you know, what happens when you start talking to people about SE in different ways. Right. Well, you know, generally I get a lot of interest. I'm perpetually amazed that how interested people are in a kind of non-biased understanding of how distress gets repeated for people. Mm -hmm. You know, so... As soon as, you know, when I'm traveling, people ask what I do. If I'm up for the challenge to kind of go through the explanation, I, you know, say, oh, you know, I'm a trauma specialist. I, I go around the world telling people about this kind of new information about what's happening in the field of traumatology and how our nervous system works with stress. And that leads into this kind of very quick kind of conversation where people kind of put together the say, the combinations of what means what when you understand, essentially, that the nervous system is continually running incomplete survival instructions until they're completed. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that, in a way, you don't, you, you don't have to assume that it's going to be difficult or uninteresting for people because there's a hook. You know, people are interested in stress, people are interested in how they function, and then you can uh, you have an entry point. And people are interested in feeling better. Yeah. Right. So um, that's one of the, the joys about being involved in this work is having witnessed for myself personally and then also being a part of other people's kind of, mm, to say it just the easiest way, greater sense of ease in ourselves as it's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, like... It's easy to kind of enter into these conversations with people and kind of be on the side of knowing, hey, this is possible. People can feel better. It makes complete sense that they're not feeling well from a, you know, kind of the physicalist scientific sense of things. It makes sense that people aren't feeling well when their nervous system has become dysregulated. And so knowing that they can feel better makes it easy to be enthusiastic about the prospect that the conversation will go positively. Yeah, yeah. So um, it is possible to feel better. You don't have to settle for uh, dysfunction. You don't have to settle for stress. You don't have to settle for, you know, this uncomfortable sense. And uh, and you give a reason why. Yeah, you know, the way you lay it out there, I think that's 
that's part of what I'm curious about this idea of like, what if everybody knew? Because I think the kind of the assumptions that you just identified that we hold as somatic experiencing practitioners and, and maybe just as people informed about the new traumatology in general, the, we hold that belief that stress isn't something that has to happen or it isn't something that has to be maintained. And I think that in a general way, society at large kind of has the presumption that the best you can do is kind of manage these symptoms that we have. You know, like yeah. we can take drugs and we can we can do alternative care and we can do lots and lots of things to manage this. And so I'm curious, what would it be like if everybody knew that there's actually a process inside the nervous system that's waiting to happen that if facilitated properly and allowed to complete, then that management would be far less necessary. Yeah, yeah. So just a, a sense of instead of stress management and uh, and all the sense of burden and a sense of restrictions and uh, uh, heaviness that comes with it replaced by allowing that normal response of the organism. Yeah, what an idea. <laughs> you know, what, what, an, what an idea that our organisms have this kind of organic intelligence, as, as some people are calling it, this idea about itself of how to self-regulate and how to maintain a sense of homeostatic well-being unless you're immediately threatened, as it were. And to think that there would be a way that we could re-enter or enter into that process. And, and it's, it's nice to be able to share with people that I think we're starting to find that. It's, it's being uncovered as we go along together. Yeah. So, you know, as I'm listening to you talk, um, I have a sense of maybe voicing um, uh, some comments about that, that uh, among the continuum of people, you are somebody who is uh, comfortable expressing yourself in front of audiences uh, in terms of performance pieces, in terms of being uh, part of the faculty and training and talking. Um, and not everybody who is an SEP has that same degree of ease uh, of expressing themselves in public. So maybe using part of the SE approach and, and understanding the concept of titration, we can talk a little bit about ways in which people don't have to think of it as an all-or-nothing situation, but ways in which people can connect more with other people about what they know. That's a that's an absolutely lovely, lovely expression or conversation that you just brought up there. You know, if you were to kind of go into the theory and what the theory has to offer and then go into this question, well, what if, if people knew? A big part of what would happen for people to know is simply the experience of being contacted by what we call SE. You know, whether that's the ideas, you know, being comfortable sharing the ideas or even kind of sharing the type of presence that we're learning how to cultivate, yeah. right? Even, even the kind of responses to people, um, people who are, say, stressed out in line and how we might deal with them or mothers that are getting off the airplane and how we might, you know, offer to help a little bit. And we don't have to go into anything about how stress works and how you need extra support, but in order to just offer a little bit of support at the right kind of time is a way of spreading the inside information inside of SE. And of course, you know, everybody is 
kind of got their way of getting at this information. You know, some people say, oh, I did it really intuitively. Other people, oh, you know, I, I read that heavy science stuff from Porges, and that's really when it clicked. It's like everybody's got their kind of entry point into this thing that is an essential part of us, this kind of ability to track and participate with our nervous system process. The, the way that people find their niche for sharing it with others, their children, their spouses, even just sharing it with themselves repeatedly. Oh, yeah, that's why you're doing that. Oh, yeah, that's okay that that's happening because it makes sense, because it's going to move to and change to something else. All of these kind of entry points for people to find their, as it were, their own way, where it's safe enough and not too challenging, I think that's part of the answer of what it would be like for if everybody knew. If yeah. everybody knew, then they would do their thing. Yeah, so so a lot of different entry points, and uh, depending on who you are, depending who you talk to, they can be from very intuitive to, to very intellectual. But one of the, the first one you mentioned, it can almost done, be done in stealth. You don't have to disclose that you're a therapist, an SCP, or anything else. Uh, it's simply to remember to, to practice, remember to, to be in that state of being regulated, and then already you have an influence on who you interact with. I think, yeah, I think so. I think so. And there, you know, I think there's an important point, important point in the titration question right there. And that's, you know, if, if you're out on the street and you're going to kind of rise to the occasion to meet people in this kind of way that we are cultivating as practitioners, now, sometimes you're going to notice that that takes more energy than you actually have available to share with others. And part of the role of the therapeutic hour is for you to kind of concentrate your attention for that hour to be able to provide that type of attention for this other person. And when you're going to take that out into a general practice to kind of share this feeling state that we have with one another out into the world, now, sometimes that's going to take more effort, more concentration of your attention than you actually have built up, that you actually have the reserve capacity for. And at that point, I kind of advocate, like, doing what everybody else is doing, which is kind of being in their own world and slightly separated and checked out from other people's kind of stress so that you're not kind of in this, oh, I failed. I don't have attention to participate in that way at this moment. Yeah. Does that, does that yeah. make sense to you? Yeah, 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 that feels very nice. A sense of reminder that, uh, you know, on the one hand, you do have that capacity to develop, to be in your mindful, regulated presence and uh, to be helpful to people. But on the other hand, uh, to really that you cannot be on all the time without burning out. Exactly, exactly, exactly. We We don't ask our clients to try to do more than they can do. And we should remember that we try not to do that to ourselves as well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, when you were talking earlier about the many entry points, the ways in which uh, you as a practitioner, other people can relate to SE, the way you talk about it to other people, you know, you mentioned a range of things, and I think this part of your enthusiasm for actually... Um, different aspects, different ways um, in which SE can be expressed or understood uh, is something that's very exciting in what you do. Mm, thank you. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. And I have a sense, you know, as we talk, that, uh, you know, in, in, and in other previous conversations we've had, that what part of, uh, you know, in a way that going through this process, uh, there's a trajectory of it that is about uh, wanting to understand, you know, what happened, and that the process of completion, of understanding it and dealing with it, uh, in a way, almost requires or launches that phase of speaking out. It has for me. It has for me. I'm I'm not entirely certain that that's part of the program for everybody. Mm-hmm. But but part of the part of that was for me. I mean, in a very personal way, and and I I can say this because I've purposefully shared my personal story so that I could talk about the work in this way. So part of my personal story is that there was a degree of kind of trauma and stress and not things not being right in my childhood that I couldn't attend to. I couldn't say anything about. You know, part of my condition was that I was submerged in that. And if I had wanted to speak up and say, hey, you know, things aren't right here, then that that would have obviously been unsafe to do. So I, I didn't do that. But there has been kind of a burning desire, I think, my whole life to complete that impulse to say, hey, look, things aren't right here and we should do something else to make them right. Mm-hmm. And And I think that my enthusiasm for trying to kind of help more people become aware of SE and help more people to kind of use it in a refined and intelligent fashion as best I can join in with that effort, then it's partly to say, hey, look, you know, I think that there's far too much distress in our world and we, some of us have a deep desire and even obligatory sense to look for the ways to attend to it. And having been involved in that search and then finding SE as one of those methods, one of those ways that we can turn our attention toward having a better world and having less kind of distress and insanity going around, then I'm, I'm all for that. And I've been highly dedicated to trying to be as sensible about that process as I can. And part of it is a personal completion for me. Yeah, yeah. That... Um uh, if the truth or you know couldn't be voiced, uh, then there's something very liberating. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And I, th- I think we see that. You know, I think that's part of the reality behind. Um, see, uh, drama therapy, right? Where where people are doing theatrical skits. There's you know, and they're kind of acting out there personifying their experience and there's a there's a deep healing in being able to say hey this actually happened and it's not okay and I think we see that in our offices all the time some people you know it kind of becomes part of their goal and they they reach out into society to do that some people just need to write it in their journal and and within that range of people getting the satisfaction that they need from the action then um then that's that's where that completion lies. And, you know, probably you, I go on to doing something very different after completing this part. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's a very interesting way of putting it in perspective, that when we're talking uh, and encouraging people 
to talk about trauma, to talk about uh, you know, SE. Uh, it's not from a place of you have to do it, it's a duty, it's something that's good for you, or something abstract of that nature, but in a way the test of it is whether as you do it, whether it feels good and whether there's a sense of it that feels like uh, maybe a completion or something that, that feels healing or something that is, uh, you know, gives you a, a sense of it's organically right for you to do that. Oh, you know, I think you just, you kind of just very, very clearly said the invitational nature of how we do our work, where yeah. we create that environment, that invitation for that unfolding to happen. And that is so much more empowering than that other option of, I'm certain that this is the thing you need to do, you know, as the professional. And, and to kind of turn that around to where we say, hey, what needs to happen to feel right to move on to what happens next? That's, that's great. Mm, thank you. Yeah. So maybe we can just take a moment right now, actually, to use that to say what feels right to happen next in this conversation. Great. Well, you know, I, I maybe maybe I'll just throw out an idea. Mhm. And and the it kind of this will be a particular idea and I was kind of doing a little bit of work this morning and part of how I do that is I kind of just let my mind go and say, "Hey, what what else haven't I thought about in terms of how to go about this animation of this work that I'm trying to do. And so I thought, well, you haven't tried a door-to-door salesman approach yet. Hmm. You know, you haven't, you know, people when they used to have information that they really wanted to share, they would, you know, put together a few books and walk door-to-door and sell books, you know, <laughs> and could, could even be the, you know, the Encyclopedia Britannica. And so I started having these imaginations of <laughs> walking door-to-door. And then I said, well, you know, we have a, we have a big enough library now that, you know, some of it's very personable and, and easy to read, you know, for people, lay people, people who aren't, you know, informed in the sciences and therapeutic traditions and all of that. And then we also have books that are more organized toward them. And, and I was thinking, well, maybe it would be fun for a time to do something like that, not in order to, to assume that that's going to... Um, kind of be something that I do a lot, mm-hmm. but, but in order to then see what that says about how people become interested in this information, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And I think the larger thing that I'm actually after here is that SE, Semantic Experiencing, the, t- the practice, the technique, the guidelines, the, the modality, as it were, that people use in therapy, that is so rich with information at so many different levels of the human experience and so easy to get in touch with at different levels. If we open our mind, open our thoughts, open our intuition, open our curiosity to how else could we talk about this? How else could we share this? How else could we kind of invite people into this information and the one-on-one clinical hour I'm totally into it I believe in it I respect its societal value its social value its individual value that it's a profession all of these things and then at this moment in history those are the people clinical 
practitioners are the primary people who have this information. And I don't take it as their responsibility to share it outside of their profession. They have their role that they're playing. But then I also know that there are some people inside of that and on the edge of that that are very curious, how else could this information be used? Who else would find this interesting? Mm. And that's, that's part of what I'm after. I'm kind of after who else, how else might this be applied? And so here, yeah. here we go. Here's like a new idea and, and it's not going to happen, but it's going to say, well, what else is like that that hasn't been tried yet? Yeah, yeah, so it feels, what feels very loud and clear is this is not an either or, and it's not in any possible way affecting the role of SE as a therapy. But there is also that question of given its potential to change lives, uh, you know, who else, you know, in what other way can it be spread? Absolutely, absolutely. And really, in terms of the because I think there could be a slight fear of threatening the position of SE as a therapeutic tradition and say, you know, can we imagine as therapists how much easier it will be when our clients appreciate what we're doing before they come into the office, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, I do a lot of consultation and I am certain that the majority of the consultation I do is around the question how do I get my clients to be willing to participate in this when, and I'll fill in the kind of the blank that people are generally coming to me to understand, when their clients are actually coming into their office with a preconceived notion about what their therapeutic session should look like. Yeah, yeah. Whether they're coming in as a body, they're coming in for body work, they expect a mechanic to come in and kind of manipulate the tissue to make everything right again. And if they're coming into psychotherapy, it's to come in and kind of launch into everything that's wrong, right? And in both cases, or and maybe it's more complex in both of those, but in certainly there's this kind of cultural bias about what we're doing in therapy. And SE, frankly, it bucks most of those things. Yeah. And and when people become invested in what it does on its own and become invested in the difference of what happens in the sessions then it's much easier on the therapist and more successful for the client. So I think that, in fact, a great place for us to put our attention, or at least that the kind of the SE community could put its attention toward improving our practice would be actually to inform the public. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you know, it, it comes off as a really, in a way, building a larger resource. You know, it's not just a, the individual resource of an individual client, but understanding that our job as individual therapists with an individual client is much easier when this person has already, in a way, some education, some expectations uh, that are more geared to, to understanding SE. Precisely. More congruent with what understanding what's happening here, much easier to participate with it. Yeah. And I think that's an experience that all of us have had of having people in our office coming with a very, very set ideas of what should happen in therapy, what the therapist should do, what they themselves should be doing, and that a lot of our time is actually spent in educating people and being a little bit different in the session. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's one of the, the 
potent things that's happening right now. If we look around, we see this wave coming with the whole SE experience where more and more people are talking about this particular modality and similar modalities that are kind of approaching similar ideas. And we're starting to get blogs and all kinds of interviews and, and this kind of explosion. And the information is, I hope, going to start to spread out toward the general public as well and and maintain the high quality of conversation amongst the professionals, but also start to kind of look for that way to communicate this these ideas out into the public. And And that's one of the, you know, if I could say, oh, what are the things that I'm working on, that's one of them. And that yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, so that feels great, you know, and I think when you talk about it this way, it also helps clarify whatever confusion there might be about, uh, you know, any um, any threat to the seriousness of, um, of, of handling SE as a serious therapeutic modality and the discourse within the, uh, the community of therapists or body workers about using it as an approach. But this would be on a par with maybe changing the the uh, cultural cliche of the person lying on a couch with a psychoanalyst taking notes being what happens in a session um, with something else about uh, what healing is about and something that's actually more appropriate to uh, you know the the scientific uh, discourse that there is about how the human mind and the nervous system functions. Exactly, and taking taking that same motif, it's a little bit like asking our profession, our community, to become differentiated in what's what, you know, for us to, in fact, Peter Levine himself and uh, Maggie Klein, they've done exactly this, where they've kind of created a professional book when they have their ch- their children's book, right, mm-hmm. the working with children, and then they've also got a public book, a book that's directly geared for the general public, trauma-proofing your children, trauma-proofing your kids, mm-hmm. right? And and when you look at that, they're taking this information that is readily accessible to parents and making that part available, and then also kind of, you know, maintaining the specialization that is required in the high level of capacity that therapists have to attain in order to be of service in places where just the, you know, the immediate awareness of these themes isn't enough, so we need more help. And there's, for, as far as I can see, there's enough distress to go around for plenty of people to be involved as specialists in this work at the same time as the general public has a greater understanding not only of what the organization of the kind of SE hour is like, but also what it's like to, say, treat your friends and loved ones who have just fallen slightly differently so that they're less likely to accumulate stress from that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as you describe this, I'm excited about the idea of this conversation that we're having being a starting point um, and inviting people to think about it and to share their experiences and ideas about that topic. Absolutely. I'm, I'm sure that there's more ideas than we've ever imagined when we start to think, how do we, how do we get broad about helping this become a cultural motif 
rather than simply a therapeutic modality that kind of sits in one part of the world. One part of the world meaning, yeah, frankly, where it's at right now is the dominant use of it, of course, is in the single hour, you know, high fee that the majority of the population can't afford. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's a sense for all of us to think that in a way uh, we're in it, we're changing the world in a way one person at a time, and that's our job as a therapist, as a body worker. But there is also a part of really that exciting sense of being part of a current of ideas, a current of uh, an approach to life uh, that is actually has the potential to change the world in a larger way. It's it's interesting, huh? To just what kind of what a lucky stroke? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you know, um, it's it's a lucky stroke. It, in my opinion, SD has a greater potency than a great number of other things that I could be putting my attention to, and and I think I think that's the reason why it keeps me here, mm-hmm. and and why I've been so as involved as I have been. It's it's highly compelling what you're able to do when your nervous system is less, you know, conf- uh, less compulsed. It's got less compulsion in it based on these past incomplete procedural memory instructions that are kind of ruining your every moment. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's amazing what else you might put your attention to. And the more people who have that freedom of attention, I think the far better off we're going to be as a group. Yeah, yeah. What if uh, instead of carrying a 50-pound backpack with you during the marathon, you were able to shed it? Yeah, yeah. What would you do with all of that energy? What what other choices would you make given the options that actually exist that, frankly, we're not able to see very often when we're carrying around that 50-pound bag and kind of weighed down by it? That sounds like a very beautiful image. Is this a good place to... um to stop? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to like that image of taking that backpack off and then <laughs> seeing what it looks like to look around from there. Thanks, Twig. This recording is part of the Somatic Mindfulness and Relational Psychotherapy podcast. See the website, relationalimplicit.com.